0: Right, I, did. Course, I did, and of course,
1: and then the, <laughs> of course, I never would have expected Delone to play that terribly, but I should have. He's well, that was a he, Cardinals. D. A, what a birthday present! Yeah. <laughs> All right,
0: so that's it for us. Remember the hockey game on Friday night for you as part of our Game of the Week. And Michigan basketball on Saturday night for Christian, Matt, Andrew, and Rushi, I'm Rob from Ann Good night
1: back near side great pass to douglas cutting to the basket it lays it up it is harris with such a crisp pass as crisp as the morning bacon and just unable to finish it with cj lee we're
0: going to take another time out here just so andrew doesn't make any more breakfast jokes michigan leading 25
1: 14 with 303 to go they'll be willing to pay put some cream in the coffee big man he to take a step or two at traveling, listen, I understand, you know, going around the world's great, but the only place he'll be going internationally is the International House of Pancakes. Chicken flop past the Sims, finishes with a right hand, off, glass it in, that was pretty. He the ball in midair and laid it in. 5.14 left, timeout. And how did he keep control of
0: that one? I mean? Grabs it with one hand and somehow lays it in the other. baseline.
1: Fourth quarter. Bo four Winkle threw it away. 4-0 oh for Michigan. Brady. Harris. The sledgehammer. Michigan by 19.
0: So Harris slams it down and Michigan looking to get, just put this game away. Up 19 now. How about Iowa? <laughs>
1: CBN, FM and Arbor.
0: Good evening, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley.
1: And I'm Jim Dwyer.
0: Sad news about the passing of Ron Ashton. It's interesting that the Ann Arbor News actually had a lead editorial about Ron Ashton that day, uh, the next day. Actually, I guess it was, yeah, it was in Wednesday's paper. But a long time uh, Ann Arborite uh, in a lot of punk bands. And, of course, most famously in uh, Iggy and the Stooges. And a real, almost a spitting image of Michael Moore. (laughs) And I ironically saw him a couple of times with Grindr, the uh, Darren McCarty uh, band named after that uh, immortal Red Wings line called The Grind Line. Well,
1: uh, you know, Ron Ashton uh, belatedly getting the accolades from uh, musical you know, pop culture, musical uh, institutions like Rolling Stone. Mm -hmm. uh, Even a
0: decent-sized New York
1: Times obituary on Ron Ashton. uh, Rolling Stone's uh, ranked him, I think, 29th as the great rock guitarist of all time. I'm sure Mm -hmm. Hendrix is uh, an easy pick for everybody's number one. But uh, when those first couple of Stooges records came out, they weren't taken very seriously. Uh, by critics, most critics basically laughed them mm-hmm. uh, off of any respectability. But uh, of course, uh, here in Michigan, there's a instinctive drive for the uh, the hard edged rock, the gritty aspect that that music really uh, so well personified that uh, they've always been legends here.
0: Yeah, and an interesting punk scene here in Ann Arbor in the late 70s. And Ron, I think, played in Destroy All Monsters for a a spell. Uh, There were some other outstanding punk bands like the Cult Heroes and uh, Laughing Hyenas. And you can occasionally see uh, remnants of those bands, including the Cult Heroes. They occasionally have a gig down at the Blind Pig, Hiawatha-Bailey. Anyway, um, sad to see and hear about the passing of Ron Ashton, a legendary guitarist. Um, Just a quick brain damage award out to George Bush, Um, apparently at his final news conference of his presidency. I don't know if this is turning into the long goodbye, um, but I think a movie can be made alone of this uh, press conference, and I've only seen excerpts of it. But uh, a brain damage award for pretty much characterizing the uh, uh, the weapons of mass destruction as a disappointment. Um, he actually did admit to some mistakes, noting that uh, putting up the mission accomplished sign was probably a mistake. Some of my rhetoric and I'm excerpting, I'm paraphrasing here, a mistake introducing, uh, introducing Social Security reform after the 2004, a mistake, um, but very little acknowledgement that the entire Iraq war was a mistake. And I think it's continuing to be troubling that there's a sort of hope, and of course we'll hear that word a lot, In upcoming weeks with Obama coming in, and certainly there is an element of hope regarding the historic election of Barack Obama. But uh, to characterize his presidency as a quote, and I'm paraphrasing here, a good, strong record,
1: that is remarkable. Um. I mean, it's remarkable that somebody didn't laugh. Yeah. And, you know, I haven't seen the, the footage of the press conference yet, so I'm sure people were politely chuckling softly to themselves, but that's where somebody needs to stand up and do a, a Nelson laugh. Yeah. Just, uh, ha! Yeah, right. Well, the interesting By body criteria
0: of Bush, you know, he's sort of slouching at times, kind of has this weird posture. Try, it actually looks small at times and, of course, has the legendary smirk. Um, and, you know, to pretty much characterize his critics as at one point he called them writers, opiners, elite, and most of Europe <laughs> is remarkable, uh, given the fact that he is departing with approval ratings that uh, are, are near Richard Nixon. Uh, territory. And I, I don't know what the averages ultimately are, but I'm well, sure he's in last place in that regard.
1: Again, that's the comfortable Trump to uh, to speak from, as Nixon did. You know, blame those pointy-headed intellectuals who think they know so much. That's right. They don't understand. The liberal elite. That's right.
0: Eastern media. We're hearing this repeatedly, and it's uh, even troubling to hear Apparently, the GOP heir apparent uh, for the 2012 election that we need not talk about, Sarah Palin, holding press conferences in which she opines against writers, (laughs) opiners, (laughs) elites. And oh, that bitch,
1: Katie Couric.
0: People don't care about you, Katie Couric. The rest of America rather (laughs) than the rest of Europe. But of course... uh, the culmination of Bush's presidency, and I you know I want to correct him uh, on the record. Uh, he claims he inherited a recession. This is not true. Um, he created a recession uh, because he was palling around with Enron at the beginning of his presidency. Energy prices started to go up. And that's what caused the little mini-recession. And, in fact, there's actually a historical debate as to whether there even was a recession. There certainly was a collapse in the so-called tech bubble. Um, and I'm sure that, as uh, The Onion pungently noted several weeks ago, that America is anxiously awaiting <laughs> recession-plagued. America anxiously awaits next bubble. Uh, interesting um Story on 60 Minutes last night that I caught uh, maybe for the first time in several months regarding the manipulation of oil prices and how uh, once again Wall Street and uh, hedge funds, Wall Street banks, and investment institutional investors pretty much created a bubble in the oil commodities futures market uh, in which $13 billion was invested several years ago, which went up to $300 billion Mm. and partially explains the uh, remarkable increase in oil prices uh, during 2008. Um, As for the recent unemployment numbers, they are simply terrible and uh, presage uh, problems for the remainder of 2009. Uh, The pessimistic economists are claiming pretty much that 2009 will be as bad as 2008, if not worse. Uh, The optimists are looking for some sort of recovery in the third quarter. I would kind of go with the pessimists here. We saw... Headlines like holiday season sales, this is from the Associated Press over the week, this past week, holiday season sales, worse since at least 1969. Deep discounts lead to troubled earnings forecasts from retailers. We're going to see carnage in the retail sector. And indeed, the unemployment rate uh, this past weekend uh, went to a 16-year high of 7.2%. Uh, many economists are predicting that it will go up to eight and a half, nine percent 9%. Uh, Louis Ucicelli notes that if workers are included of the total unemployment, is uh, has swelled to 13.5% from 12.6% in November and just 8.7% at the start of the recession. The total number of jobs lost during this recession now totals 25 9 million, counting upward, and needless to say, revisions for October and November, which, of course, we've talked about before, how Elaine Chow has manipulated unemployment statistics uh, around uh, the time of elections and essentially total carnage in the job markets with only uh, education and health care uh, adding jobs in recent months. Uh, Some of this data, of course, is the worst since the 1930s. Um, So for Bush to characterize his presidency as a, quote, good, strong record is remarkable.
1: Well, it strikes me as the sort of uh, moment after the press conference where he probably went around back and did one of those, you know, you just leave the room and, Flip off the imaginary people who were right in front of you just a moment ago, and you just go to the next room. And go, yeah, well, I'm screwing you. Yeah. Ah.
0: you just he, get the gut feeling. Fingers
1: crossed behind his back. Yeah, that, I mean, uh, one of his most remarkable. Statements. That's the degree of concern that the man has exhibited for the country's well-being. When he uh, he said that
0: uh, uh, I wouldn't worry about popularity; I would worry about the Constitution of the United States. Oh yeah.
1: Um, It's a little late for that realization. And, of course, uh,
0: in response to the loss of moral standing globally, he said that he was more concerned about the country, our country. And just for the record, uh, when uh, Clinton uh, left office at the end of two thousand the unemployment rate was 4%. And uh, this from a recent book called The Age of Reagan, Sean Wilentz, a history 1974 to 2008. Uh, Mostly through this book, this is a a good read if you want to sort of get a nice uh, summarization of the uh, age of Reagan, as he calls it. Um, And he approaches reagan i think with some skepticism but also um, points out some of his strong points Um, poverty rates when bush inherited the office by the way were falling um, thanks to deficit reduction uh, tax increases on the uh, the wealthy just marginal tax increases and uh, very amazing improvements in the uh, deficit. When, For instance, when Clinton took office in 1992, the deficit stood at $290 billion. When he left, it was actually a $22 billion surplus that was actually projected to keep rising. Bush's massive tax cuts that have been a complete failure, and I would say the final nail in the coffin of Reaganomics as an economic concept— Um, As uh, Joseph Stiglitz uh, notes in the uh, January edition of the Harper's Index, staggering totals. And the deficit, incidentally, for this last fiscal year is projected to be over a trillion dollars just in one year. Um, These are just devastating numbers for the American economy and I was wondering if Bush was actually asked a question about the announcement today that George Voinovich from Ohio is not uh, running for re-election, because this makes there's now four major Senate Republicans that are quitting, and uh, three of them are from toss-up states: Missouri, Florida, and Ohio. Voinovich has actually sided with the Democrats on the auto bailout. Um, he's a deficit hawk. And it was interesting that he, uh, in his uh, departure press conference, claimed that he he didn't want to spend the, the last two years of his uh, Senate uh, tenure uh, raising money. He'd rather focus on the problems. So there's just been a devastating uh, impact on the GOP that I think uh, George Bush uh We'll have to put that on his, uh, his tombstone, uh, a good, strong record.
1: <laughs> well, there may be those who may applaud that as perhaps his greatest act. <laughs> Unintentional, though, it may have been.
0: Yeah. I would prefer a, a witticism regarding uh, George Washington, our first president. George Bush was last in peace, last in war, and last in the heart.
1: Parts of his countrymen. (laughs) Well, he ranks right down there, to be sure. Well, last week we talked a little bit about the uh, misuse of language, uh, particularly with regards to uh, some of the comments coming out of uh, Israel's military uh, regarding the situation there. But uh, very interesting article. That appeared in the Ann Arbor News, uh, the 9th, reprinted from the New York Times by Stephen Greenhouse. That's pretty much exactly about language. I'll just read this couple of short paragraphs here. Intent on blocking organized labor's top legislative goal, corporations are quietly contributing to lobbying groups with appealing names like the Workforce Fairness Institute and the Coalition for a Democratic Workplace. Golly, those sound like wholesome organizations. Yeah. Uh, These groups are planning a multi-million dollar campaign in the hope of killing legislation that would give unions the right to win recognition at a workplace once a majority of employees sign cards saying they want a union. Business groups fear the bill will enable unions to quickly add millions of workers and drive up labor costs. Well, I don't know about adding millions of workers, but uh, certainly... Unions do pose a threat to American well-being because we don't want to pay people what they're worth, and why would we want to offer security to their families? Well, the Coalition for a Democratic Workplace, a federation of 500 business groups, has been running full-page ads attempting to discredit this Employee-Free Choice Act. And uh, it's good to see that... uh, President-elect uh, Obama's choice for labor secretary has been in support of the Employee Free Choice Act. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, th- one of the big concerns throughout the, the bailout and the economic crisis is, will this be exploited as uh, yet another opportunity to pound uh The worker, the organized labor, which, of course, is routinely denounced uh, every election cycle as the big money that big labor spends. Special interests. Special (laughs) interests. As though, of course, corporations don't outspend whatever labor lobbying spends 20-fold. Mm-hmm. 20-fold. And so, uh, especially when you're going around calling yourself the Workforce Fairness Institute, Uh, Be careful what you read and what sorts of uh, things you believe about uh, what's good and what's bad for the American worker.
0: Yeah, and indeed, uh, one of the interesting um, factoids from the recent uh, jobs report is um, that I'm quoting from Louis Ucacelli once again. He writes that the average number of hours that American workers fell to 33.3 hours a week in December, down two-tenths of an hour, to the lowest level since records were kept in 1964. Um, So, yeah, workers are being... Savaged. Hard pressed, to put it mildly. Yeah, Yeah. savaged is uh, accurate. And we saw recently in the discussion of the auto bailout how the Republican Party uh, specifically had a a tactic, and there was actually a talking points memo that circulated that this was uh, the first opportunity um, led by McConnell, Shelby, and Corker. (laughs) Do we cheat him and how? Um, to, quote, go after big labor. Uh,
1: And this, of course, has been going on for decades. Uh, Right, and that's what made this article so startling, is that this sort of thing has gone on for decades. George Seldes wrote about it in the 30s and 40s. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's nothing new here. The fact that Stephen Greenhouse is writing an article for the New York Times about it is refreshing. (laughs) And by the way, just for this the his- commonplace. historical record, the two worst recessions uh, were
0: now entering, apparently, the worst recession since the Great Depression. Indeed, the stock market, I mean, just for those that are interested, uh, went down more last year than any year since since 1931. I mean, think about that, 77 years. Uh, other than my father and a few of his uh, associates in Athens, Ohio, I know very few people that are older than seventy-seven years, um, you know. But anyway, getting back to the two previous worst recessions, they occurred under Richard Nixon and Ronald Reagan. Um, I, you know, wake up and
1: drink. You know, some you actually, both of those were were partly built on. Bad tax policy at home and military adventurism abroad. yeah. and and deficit spending,
0: um, you know, during the Reagan era, for instance, the government was spending two hundred billion dollars a year just servicing the debt mm-hmm. from the deficits. And this argument that you keep hearing on television from these morons from the Cato Institute, the American Enterprise Institute, the Heritage Foundation, and, of course, euphemistic, uh, Organizations like the Worker Fairness Institute, or whatever they Muffin call, Muffin
1: Enhancement, yes,
0: sector, <laughs> um, is that they keep presenting the fact that um, now, of course, some some of them are suddenly deficit hawks. They're opposed to a stimulus package that, rumor has it, will be somewhere in the neighborhood of seven hundred to a trillion, seven hundred billion to a trillion dollars. They oppose this now, um, claiming that we can't afford to have government get larger. You know, government is the enemy of the people. I would say that the enemy of the people are the people that are in charge of the government
1: and what their policies and objectives are with the government. Well, the government is the only avenue through which the average people... I mean, for, for most people... Getting the security and stability of a union job is the American dream. They're not looking to be rich, to be millionaires. It's the people who exploit the systems for maximum self-benefit to the detriment and expense of all. That's the enemy.
0: (laughs) That's the enemy.
1: We have no uh, power to wield over corporate heads, but, uh, well, the the smart uh, guy figures it out. Long ago, I mean, when did uh, the Supreme Court recognize corporations as persons? Uh, that tells you pretty much where the, you know, the path of uh, America's future would lie.
0: Yeah, and that was done back back in the in the 19th century um, during an era of Republican dominance, uh, in which the Supreme Court, quite frankly, for about 60 years, was controlled by Republican-appointed presidents. Indeed, there was only one Democrat between uh, the election of Abraham Lincoln and Woodrow Wilson, and that was Grover Cleveland. And he's always been characterized as sort of a pro-business Democrat. I think believe he was the governor of New York State. Yes. Uh, part of the Gilded Age. Both our 22nd and 24th president. He gets two numbers. <laughs> of course, so, so do the Bushes.
1: 41 and 43. <laughs> oh boy. There must be some numerological spell that's being rendered. Uh, I'll have to consult with people about that. As well as the John Adams name.
0: Two John Adamses. One with a Quincy <laughs> in between the Adamses, in between the Christian name and the surname. Um. Yeah, it's uh, going to be a very interesting year, to say the least.
1: Well, there's an old, I forget which country or which uh, ethnicity this old saying is ascribed to, but may you live in boring times. <laughs> uh, sort of a wishful thinking. Uh, the Chinese. Yeah, that's, okay. okay. That.
0: Uh... In fact, you may actually see that in a fortune cookie sometimes. <laughs>
1: Perhaps that's where that ancient wisdom comes Only to it's me from. Interesting times. Yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> boring times would be nice uh, from time to time, but uh, it's been pretty much nothing but explosions and uh, pitfalls so far this year. Yeah. And Bush, uh, I don't know what he
0: exactly said about the situation in Gaza, but. Uh, I'm sure it was ignorant of the reality on the ground.
1: Actually, one thing that is fairly startling about that is that uh, the Security Council, of course, uh, resolved fourteen with a fourteen to zero vote. Uh, the resolution stressing for an urgency of calls for an immediate, durable, fully respectable ceasefire, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The United States abstained. That's striking. Yeah. That doesn't happen very often whenever a Security Council resolution involving Israel is concerned. You could even say, and I don't know whether or not this is their intent, because, again, it's late in the day for uh, legacy buffing, um, especially when there's nothing to buff. Burnishing. (laughs) Burnishing, that's their word. (laughs) Buffing and burnishing. Burnishing. So it's like, Lady Macbeth, these spots aren't going away. Shocking off. It's nothing but spot, after all. Uh, enough No real substance underneath it. But uh, you could actually say that this constitutes the closest to an outright criticism of or pressure on Israel that the Bush administration has ever proffered. Because uh, typically when the U.S. abstains, it's a sort of a face-saving way to kind of condemn but sort of look Oh, Yeah, they didn't vote no. They didn't vote no. Uh, They just said, well, we're not going to vote. And Condoleezza Rice's uh, explanation is well, we fully support the resolution but abstain to see the outcomes of the Egyptian mediation. Uh, As do we all, but they they don't seem to be going uh, uh, very
0: hopefully along their way. Notice that the moral standing quote-unquote of the uh, American government seems to be pretty low in this recent,
1: indeed, Uh, incursion. And uh, speaking of incursions, recent and not so recent, because there's really little else to say in addition to what's been said already about the uh, ugliness uh, going on in Gaza. Uh, But apparently on New Year's Day, a CIA strike in northern Pakistan killed... Two top al-Qaeda terrorists. Now, that's not the top two. Yeah. It's the two top. So <laughs> We've gotten the number three guy for about the 28th time. <laughs> Indeed. And now, good news, we got the two top. Not the two top, I'm sorry. Two top. Just two top. This is Two Sheds Jackson here. Um interestingly, the, the claim is that this happened on New Year's Day and that we're just being told about it now because of the uh, extreme secrecy involving CIA operations in the Afghani-Pakistani border, where just about everything that happens is a secret to the rest of the world because it's the ultimate hinterland. Uh, but these two guys were believed to have been behind uh, September's deadly suicide bombing at the Mariah Hotel in uh, the Pakistani capital. So raising the question again, why do we want to blow such people up when really we're better off arresting them? And I mean, that's how you find out, right, is treated as a criminal operation, what the connections may be, who knows what, who connects to who. Ah, just blow them up.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting that it was announced today by the president-in-waiting, not to be confused with a lady-in-waiting, that Gitmo will be closed. Um, I'm sure that arresting the two top, or top two, or whoever they were. (laughs) (laughs) And I uh, will take that
1: news report with a grain of salt. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they base this on as dental records. I'm sure Afghani dental records are really, (laughs) you know, precise. Yeah,
0: (laughs) exactly. Um, And, yeah, I guess what I was going to say, I'll just skip for the time being and uh, be thankful that Bush did have his last press conference today. But, yeah, I'm sure arresting them uh, for a torture session with Dick Cheney <laughs> at an undisclosed location somewhere in Washington, D.C. Didn't quite make their day. And by the way, uh, just uh, an example of of uh, uh, sad news, uh, and it's uh, not sad news, but I guess it's reality. Uh, GM Foundation announced cuts In Aid to Detroit Arts, it says that the Charitable uh, Charitable Foundation of Struggling General Motors Corporation has told the DIA and the Detroit uh, Symphony and other cultural groups not to expect annual support in 2009. So this is one of the devastating impacts of uh, the struggling economy. Uh, General Motors uh, needs to be criticized for many things they've done over the many decades. But... uh, They have given generously to uh, local arts organizations, and it's always been uh, a great thing, for instance, that the auto companies have underwritten. For instance, the Detroit Jazz Festival over Labor Day weekend. Um, So this uh, is not good news. It is good news, by the way, that General Motors announced today that they are going to be building a battery uh, plant here in Michigan for uh, the electric hybrid cars, and apparently throwing some money at the uh, venerable institution, the University of Michigan, uh, for more research uh, here on battery technology, and indeed, recent purchases of Pfizer's properties here in town, mm-hmm. perhaps is where that institute will end up. So. Looks like we're out of time.